Our church's vision is easy to remember. It's move beyond. It's the idea that wherever we are in our faith, that there's always some other area that we can move to. We can always move beyond wherever we are in our faith to something greater that God has for us. Now, our vision might be easy to remember, but it might be a little more difficult to actually do. If you think about it, when we start out our, our Christian life and we make substantial progress, and sometimes we get to the point where we feel like we're just stuck. We've, we've come to a standstill. We've gone about as far as we can go. It's not that we don't want to go farther. It's just that we feel like we're kind of stuck where we are. And so that's what we want to do over the next few weeks is we want to help you get unstuck. We want to help you to move beyond whatever it is that's holding you back in your faith. We're going to start today by talking about an area that I think maybe a lot of folks can identify with. It's, it's the reason a lot of people are stuck in their faith walk and in their growing in their relationship to Christ. It's the fact that they're stuck in their old self. Now, Christians use the term born again a lot. And that comes from an encounter Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. And in the course of their conversation about eternal life, Jesus said to Nicodemus that he had to be born again. And Nicodemus thought, well, that's very strange because am I supposed to enter my mother's womb a second time? That's physically impossible, Jesus but Jesus wasn't talking about being born again physically. He was talking about spiritual rebirth. And while physical rebirth is impossible, spiritual rebirth is certainly very possible. Now, I don't know what initially drew you to Christ. I don't know what initially got you interested in things of the faith. I don't know what was the first thing that you heard or saw or felt that attracted you to Jesus. But I'd say for a lot of folks, it's that idea that you can have a fresh start in your life. That no matter how bad things are, that a relationship with Jesus Christ gives you an opportunity to have a fresh start. There's a great scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The idea that regardless of, of your past, regardless of what you've done, of where you've been, that coming to Christ gives you an opportunity to have a fresh start. And that's so inviting. And that's what draws a lot of people to Jesus Christ. Now, all of us in our lives have things that we wish we could go back and do over again. But unfortunately, our lives don't have a rewind button where we can say, man, I, I got that wrong. So I hit the rewind button. I can go back and maybe I can, can do it again and keep doing it again until I get it right. We all know that doesn't work. And we all know that physically we can't go back and be born physically again and actually relive our, our whole lives, hopefully mistake-free. None of us can do that. But what draws us to Christ is that scripture that says to us, when we come into a relationship with him, that we can have a fresh start Regardless of our past, we can be forgiven for our past and have a fresh start in the future. The life of Christ 
is our example. Christ came to be our example of the way that we should live. And so when we come to Christ, what we're saying is that when we come and when we experience His forgiveness and His grace, what what we are saying is we want to live our lives like Him. And that can be difficult for a lot of us. Because what happens is we come to Christ, we accept Christ, we get all fired up, we go out, we start living our lives, we get involved in a life group, we start studying our Bibles, we start praying, we start doing all of these service projects, and and we feel like our life has new meaning, and we've got this fresh start, and we're all excited. And for a while, we feel like we're moving closer and closer and closer to being like Christ. But then all of a sudden... As I said before, we feel like we're at a standstill. We just get stuck. Well, what we want to try to do is help you get unstuck. And one of the ways that I think we might do that is first to identify why we're stuck. And once we identify why we're stuck, then that helps us to see, well, how can we get unstuck? What I want to talk about today Is about being stuck in the old self. Listen to what Ephesians 4, verse 22 and following says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Many of us are stuck because we haven't completely put off the old self and we haven't completely put on the new self. What we're trying to do is we're trying to have it both ways. You know how this works. We put on our new self when we come to church on Sundays. But then we better keep some of our old self around when we go to work on Monday because, you know, we've got to be a little different there because people think we're crazy or strange. Or maybe we will put on our new self when we're around our new Christian friends. But then when we go around our old friends, well, we're going to put our old self back on to do that. So they too don't think we're kind of crazy. And publicly, we'll practice the habits of the new self. But when nobody's around, we can enjoy some of the old self as well. But it doesn't work that way. Trying to have it both ways, I always say, is the spiritual equivalent to going to GoMart and buying a Diet Coke and a Snickers bar. Now, You might not gain weight as fast, but you're certainly not going to lose any weight in the process. You're trying to have it both ways, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. In your Christian walk, you're trying to have some of the things you just really liked about your old life. And then you're trying to mix it with some of these things that are pretty cool about the new life. But that's not the way it works. We are supposed to get rid of the old self and put on the new self. The two are not meant to coexist. 
at all. They're not meant to coexist. In fact, Scripture over and over and over, if you look in different places, gives you this idea. Jesus said that we can't serve two masters. James writes that out of the same spring, you can't get fresh water and salt water. And the writer to Ephesians here says the same thing. They're, they're not compatible. When he talks about the old self, he says the old self is corrupt. But he says the new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Why are we stuck? Why do a lot of us find that we're stuck in our Christian life? We're stuck in the middle. We can't quite leave the old and we can't quite put on the new. And we're trying to pick and choose both ways. And it doesn't work that way. And we find that we're stuck. When you came to Christ, here's how it was supposed to work. There's a passage in Romans 6 that talks about this old self. Romans 6, beginning in verse 6. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. What does it mean the old self was crucified? Literally, it means was crucified as he was. In, in Paul's day, people understood crucifixion. Crucifixion was a gruesome, gory way to die. And it wasn't quick. Death did not come quickly. It was long and it was drawn out. Where people suffered these agonizingly slow deaths. And when Paul talks about the old self being crucified, maybe he's referring to that long and protracted struggle that we go through when we leave our old selves. When that natural evil tendency inside of us is subdued. Sometimes it's long and protracted and it's painful. Sometimes when the corrupt nature is slain or, or maybe when we surrender ourselves to God. Sin dies inside of us. And sometimes it can be a long and protracted death. Albert Barnes says, All who have been born again can enter into this description. They remember the anguish of conviction, the struggle of corrupt passion for ascendancy, the dying convulsions of sin in the heart, the long and lingering conflict before it was subdued, and the soul became submissive to God. But he also tells us it's crucified for a purpose. And that purpose is that we should no longer be slaves to sin and that we should be set free. Because sin is a cruel master. It's cruel and it's merciless. And it tries to dominate our lives. It's tenacious. It wants to control every moment of us. But when we are crucified with Christ, we are set free from that old cruel master. And our lives are now controlled by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We are no longer slaves to sin, 
But rather, we are redeemed children of a redeeming God. The power and the attraction of the former nature is meant to wither and to die. And for a lot of us, we spend a lot of our days trying to resuscitate it. And that's not what we're supposed to do. It was meant to die and be gone. All right, so that identifies maybe the problem, how we're trying to have it both ways. We just can't get beyond the old, can't quite get to the new, and we're trying to do something in the middle, and we're stuck. So what do you do? There's a quote I read in a commentary that says, Getting unstuck involves you making daily decisions to remove anything that supports or feeds the old self's desires. And I think the key to getting unstuck is in verse 23 of that passage from Ephesians that we read a little bit ago where he talks about that we, uh, to be made new, that's what he wants of us, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. There's a spiritual renewal of our thoughts and of our attitudes. And certainly here on this earth we are still going to struggle with some of the old things that keep wanting to pop up in our lives. But basically, we want to be transformed. Transformation involves a whole new creation. So, how are we to be renewed in our thoughts and in our attitudes? First thing is to admit you have a problem. Admit to yourself and to God that you are kind of stuck in the middle. You may be farther toward one side and the other, but, but just admit that the problem is you can't quite bring yourself to put on completely that new self because there's some of the old stuff that you just can't quite let go of. You need to admit it. The rest is useless if we don't admit we have a problem. It's like anything else. The first step to solving that problem is to admit that you have one. The second thing is to be involved in activities that renew your mind. You know the old phrase, garbage in, garbage out. So ask yourself, what do you watch on television? What shows do you watch on TV? What are the things that, that fill your mind from what you watch on television? What do you read? What books? What magazines? What are the things that are daily filling your mind? What about your computer and your phone? What are they daily filling your mind with? What about conversations that you have during the week with other people? How is that filling your mind? What songs do you listen to on your iPod? That fills your mind. Actually, I think with the iPod, it has a direct connection because it's in your ears. What are those things? What do you watch? What do you read? Who do you listen to? What songs do you listen to? What songs do you listen to to the point where you're walking around singing the words? And then you stop and think to yourself, Ooh, is that really in my mind? It's what you need to do. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. So, what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, does it meet this test? It's what you need to 
Remember, walk around saying this verse to yourself maybe. The third thing is desire to pattern yourself after God and not the world. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Who are your role models? Say, well, I'm 55 years old. I don't have role models. Yes, you do. You know you do. Not just kids that have role models. We all have role models. There is somebody that's your role model. You may not admit it, but there's somebody that you look up to. Who is that person? That's what you need to ask. What advice do you follow? Whose advice do you follow? Who do you pattern your life after? If you could be any other person but yourself, who would that person be? The answers are telling. They're telling because they answer the question, are you desiring to pattern yourself after God? Or are you desiring to pattern yourself after these other people? And there are good Christian people out there that, yes, you could pattern your life after them, but the ultimate pattern is not them, it's God. But there are also some bad role models for us out there. And if we spend our time trying to be like them and listening to their advice and patterning our lives after them and wishing we were them, then we got a problem. Manfred Brock said, when our relationship with Christ does not impinge on our everyday living, then other relationships will certainly fill this vacuum. If it is not the Lord Christ whose mind is being brought to bear upon our human relationships, then other lords will most certainly bring their minds to bear upon them. The fourth thing you want to do to get unstuck is you want to study and apply God's Word so that it changes your behavior from the inside. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11 says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love that 11th verse. There's the idea of, of hiding God's Word in your heart. But we can really mess that one up. It's not that you've taken it and you've hidden it in there so nobody else can see it. So it's just your little personal possession. No, the reason you would hide your word, his word in your heart, the psalmist says, is that so you might not sin against him. In other words, God's word comes in and it changes us from the inside. But it doesn't just change us on the inside. It changes us on the inside so that can come out on the outside. We need to remember, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that we cannot completely put on the new self until we have first dealt with the old self. And the new self is more than just a better version of you. And the new self doesn't come about just because 
you know, we're in church or just because we were baptized. The new self doesn't come about just because we changed a, a few habits or maybe the way we look on the outside. But the new self is a total transformation. I kind of actually like to think of it as such a total transformation that people don't even recognize you. That it's almost like you have to be reintroduced to someone. That, that it's such a transformation in your life. That there is such a clear distinction between your old self and your new self. That maybe some of your old friends go, man, who is that? And in reintroducing yourself, then you get to share how that transformation occurred. The new self causes you to change your feelings, your principles, your desires, and your practices. And the new self is made according to God's likeness, which is righteous and holy and true. And the old self is nowhere even close. God wants us to be like him. We carry around the name of his son. So he wants us to become like him. And we can't do it if we're trying to have it both ways. You're always going to be stuck in the middle. But it's time to move beyond that. It's time to move beyond being stuck in your journey of faith. Quit trying to have it both ways. And to move forward to become that new person that God wants you to be. Let's pray.